Hey folks, welcome to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. Bill Gallagher again with you this morning. I'll start out with the weather report. Beautiful weather out here. It must be 80 degrees. It's unbelievable. I talked to a friend of mine up in Minta, Sota today. One foot of snow. Eat your heart out, boy. It's great. Just came off a weekend with a Daytona 500 and the 250-mile truck race, Craftsman truck race with our buddy Daniel Dye. He did great. Unfortunately, there was a whole bunch of trucks trying to occupy the same piece of real estate, and that hardly ever works out well at Daytona International Speedway. So a little bit of a crunch crunch, but no one was hurt, and we're off next week to Las Vegas, and I think that's that's going to be the uh, the golden, golden trick for Mr. Daniel Dye. Hats off to our friends at Daytona Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram for their loyal support and particularly for their mission on the Race to Stop Suicide. If you watch the truck series this year, you'll see our logo, SolarFit logo, and the Race to Stop Suicide on every race across the country. I'm very, very proud of our friend Daniel. So now we've got some very special guests that have actually come in the studio. We're really blessed to have them here. Chris, welcome to the show. Cindy, welcome to the show. This is Mr. and Mrs. Chris. Heaven, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. <laughs> I am so blessed to have you guys stop by. Good friends for many years and uh, two of the most dynamic people I've had the, the pleasure of knowing. Uh, Chris, I want to start with you just briefly, and then we'll switch over to Cindy. Talk a little bit about your background. Wow. Um, so. That's it off. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Let's reset. Chris's background is quite extensive. So is Cindy's. Okay. Go ahead, ladies first. Cindy? Well, um, I was born and raised um, here in Florida. Um, I've uh, been mostly in the contracting business most of my life, um, which fits well with our new business platform, um, Country Girl at Heart. And uh, it's uh, really been a journey to get to the ripe age of 54 and have many, many hats. Um, and uh, Chris and I complement each other a lot because he comes kind of from the same background. So I've been in everything from contracting to event coordination and everything in between. So uh, that's how we got where we are now. Well, Chris says that there isn't anything you can't do, and I and I believe that after hearing some of your some of your activities, it's unbelievable. Chris, okay, it's your turn. I didn't interrupt you. No, no, I always I only do that, my friends. Yeah, Cliff Notes version. Uh, grew up in the construction industry. Ended up in high tech. Uh, then ended up uh, a business consultant with a focus on leveraging technology, and went from that to the firearms industry for a brief stint, and turned into where we are now with Survival Dispatch. Okay, so Survival Dispatch. Talk a little bit about that. So Survival Dispatch was started by a friend of ours about seven years ago and was a collection of subject matter experts, people who'd won uh, the TV show alone, uh, people who train troops on primitive survival, remote survival, um, every type of survival and prepping that you can think of. And we had an opportunity to acquire the company and it was a really good fit because, as Cindy said, you know, we're both, uh, you know, born and raised in the country. And uh, we, we love the survival aspect things, side of things because it's really all about self-reliance. It is. We, we, uh, we're living in a very different time than when we grew up, right? Yeah. You want to talk about that briefly, Cindy? So where did you grow up? Um, I was originally from Clearwater, but I moved to Sanford in the late 70s. Um, that's when Sanford was farm country and uh, cabbage fields and all of that. And my family started a business there, so we've been in this area um, 
for 30 years with that. Um, and just the changes we've seen from that time to now um, is truly incredible. So that's really what piqued my interest about being a part of this is because it's how we grew up. Um, so it's second nature to us. Whereas um, a lot of the things that are going on now, I don't understand. So I feel more comfortable back where I came from. So we try to share that knowledge with everybody so that they can also have the benefits of how we grew up, even if they didn't. Yeah, very good. And Chris, you grew up where? Uh, initially, eastern Ontario. And then uh, as soon as I turned 18, went straight to Texas. And then I spent almost my entire adult life going back and forth between Texas and Florida. So are you Canadian? I was at one point in time. I had dual citizenship, but it uh, introduces some tax implications. So I gave up my Canadian passport, strictly have an American passport. Yeah, you familiar with the term ADRU? No. ADRU is a Canadian. Uh, I grew up on <laughs> a Canadian border of state New York, and that's uh, the French Canadians. I love those folks, man. They come to ADRU. I know a couple of things in French, not very much. <laughs> no, don't bring them up. This is a, this is a family show. <laughs> But it, it really, you know, I always marvel that we have the greatest country in the world, and we have so many attributes. I mean, it doesn't matter what state you're in; there's something special about that state. You know, Texas. You know, I've always admired the people from Texas because they're very, uh, you know, they're very independent people. I guess I, I, that's what I like. Which is where my father was from, and that's truly where I learned most of my skills was from my father living in. Uh, very very small town in Mineral Wells, Texas, and uh, so that's how I became his favorite son. Isn't amazing? <laughs> Isn't it amazing um, the number of people you talk to that really started out with nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing, and and uh, through their own hard work and uh, pulling up their bootstraps, became. Uh, it hasn't really. Wealth, although it is wealth, it's 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 it something sure that you is. it's an internal wealth, and it has nothing to do with money. Now yeah. the knowledge and just the peace of mind, knowing that we can take care of ourselves should things not uh, be so pretty. Are you in like the world. Are you like me? Do you, do you really think that it it came from the parents and the parents of the parents and the grandparents? Oh, it's a lineage. Yeah, we're all sure. products of our environment. Yeah. yeah. So, Chris, where are your parents from? Where's your relatives from initially? Uh, well, initially, uh, the family came from, on my mother's side, the family came from Germany in 1706 to where you're from, in upstate New York. Uh, that's back when the King of England didn't want to sacrifice his troops uh, defending uh, the colonies against the Native Americans. And uh, so then uh, that family spread around both sides of the Great Lakes. And then my father's side of the family uh, came from Greece. And my grandparents actually had a place here in Ormond Beach. So even though I wasn't born in Florida like Cindy, been in this area since I was a little kid. So I've seen it, you know, the state's gone from about five, six million people when we were growing up to 30 million people if you include the census, transient people who haven't officially declared this their state of residence and tourists and whatnot. And because uh, we we both remember that when you went from beachside to the track, that was like way out in the country. That's a big trip back then. <laughs> we were talking the other day about that. I said, boy, you know, it'd be nice to have a tunnel underneath the grandstand other than the two tunnels, okay, so the people could go underneath because mm-hmm. right now we're crossing over the track and stuff like that. And was brought up, they would say, you know, this, when that track was built, it was like swampland. Mm-hmm. It was 
you know, Bill France had the foresight to go out there and clear that land and make the most spectacular high-speed raceway in the world. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah she's, that, she's driven. We, we got her in NASCAR. Oh, did you uh, One of those Richard Petty packages. Yep. Yeah, she did a few years ago for that her birthday. And she got to the end of the pit row, and she was going too fast. They said, slow down. She didn't slow down, so they <laughs> hit the remote button on her and shut her down. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Darn. Seriously. I don't know if you ever watched Fox and Friends, but they uh, they had something on there the other day about uh, Pete Hegsteff and uh, the other fellow driving out at the track. I, I had that experience, too. Yeah, the, yeah, the track. It yeah, is fun, isn't it? It is fun. It yeah, they, is they basically say, hey, look, stay behind me and don't pass me. But it, uh, it, if you could keep up with me, we'll go faster and faster. And boy, yeah. tap, 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 and the guy's bump, bumper, and he, yeah. he took yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. It is, it is yeah. just amazing when you think about that. They'll let folks that really don't have any experience in these race cars. And yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. Well, that's the problem. I have a little experience. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mean us. They just saw a girl get in the car and thought, oh, okay, she needs to slow down. She yeah. doesn't know what she's doing. And I won that race, so I think I got it down pretty good. <laughs> well, the things have changed now. People say, what do you do for excitement? So, like, drive to Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I make it, and I might No, kill, I can't go fast enough. There's too many cars. <laughs> no, I, I have to say this for Orlando. They've gotten rid of all those orange barrels, and now it's just, just go for it. You yeah. Know? yeah. That, that took a while. Yeah. You know, I always wonder, the expansion that we're having here in Florida, why don't they just make bigger roads to start with? Why don't they make the yeah. two and a million three lane, you know? We got held up on 40 yesterday heading over towards Gainesville and we were held up because they're doing construction resurfacing the road and we both said why don't they just widen this road it's a bottleneck as it is we end up coming back through plaque instead of coming across 40 just because of that yeah it's it's uh it's it's amazing what's what's occurred and yeah, the the population growth I think uh I think there's a thousand people a day coming into Florida it's a big number that's a big number and uh we talk about just just Close down the road going north. There's no reason. Everybody's coming south. You know? Yeah. <laughs> of course, when they get to Key West, they, then they turn around and come very back. <laughs> Progress is necessary, but um, our favorite thing is to drive the back roads whenever we get a chance and be away from as many cars and people as possible. We spent the weekend uh, on Lake George and Lake Lawaka. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's like a time warp. It's back to what we grew up with. Yeah. Really country. Lots of gators. Actually, we didn't see any gators. I saw one, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I just mean as far as everything's simple. Yeah. You know, the solar speed. Everything's simple. You guys go to Carolina a lot, too? Georgia. 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 North Georgia. North Georgia. Yeah, Blue Ridge Mountains. Boy, there's a lot of difference between North Georgia and South Georgia. There sure is. You get up around. uh, There sure is. uh, Dahlonega and that area. Yes, that's where we go is just north of Dahlonega. Bill Bill Elliott, Chase Elliott, Mm -hmm. all those guys from (laughs) Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, do you ever get by there to uh, Dawsonville to see those guys? Or, no? I've been through Dawsonville, but I've never stopped there to enjoy anything. But we should. I guess a pool hall is pretty fun, you know. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not much of a gambler, so I don't play pool. Yeah. So let's get back and talk a little bit about uh, survival dispatch. Now, about a month ago, you came in and asked to do a video. Right, so we did a video about a month ago, something like that. And I thought, yeah, this is pretty cool. So I had a chance to watch one of the videos that you did, and I thought, man, I was impressed. I took both my hats off to you. I appreciate right. it. <laughs> uh, the video that we shot here actually is airing. Um, what's the date today again? The twenty fourth. 
airs tomorrow. Oh, geez, okay. Well, great. Which well, is yesterday once this radio interview goes live. Well, that's pretty exciting. I know that you know one of the things I enjoyment I get out of this show is I get to meet so many people and talk about so many different things. It's just it's really fun. And what you're doing, where you're actually doing a video and interview, and that's got to be more fun. Yeah, I mean we're pretty blessed to you know have touch a lot of people uh, in the survival prepping industry. So. It's we learn something new every day, every conversation that we have. Yeah, we're going to talk about this toward the end of it again. But if somebody wanted to jump on and see your site, what's the best way to do it? Uh, SurvivalDispatch.com, and once once you go there, uh, we've got an e-commerce store with over twenty five thousand survival and prepper items on it. Um, there's links to our YouTube channel, Rumble channel, and so on. Uh, we've got almost eleven hundred videos in our library now. Man, that's amazing. What are some of the, the items that you have in your survival kit, if you will? Uh, well, I mean, it starts with the most basic stuff, which is water purification, which it's basic, but it's complex. Filtering water, you know, you can have particulate, you could have uh, bacteria, chemicals, viruses, parasites, uh, radiological stuff and whatnot. So it's a fairly complex subject but as everybody knows you can only go a very short period of time without water so we sell a bunch of water purification products we sell mres so dehydrated food uh, we sell every camping and outdoor item you can think of from coleman stoves to tents and everything in between we are not a gun dealer but we do sell some accessories like scopes those sort of things because it's relative to hunting which is relative to survival right for sure yeah, I know uh, many, many, many moons ago with my grandfather when he grew up, he, w- he was one of, uh, uh, I think, 11 kids in the family, and each of the kids uh, had their own chores to do. Some of the gals did something, but the guys were hunters. Their their survival depended on them going out and, you know, bringing deer back for the family, and yeah. um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's an interesting comment, Bill. Uh, number one, um, during the Great Depression, it was front-page news if somebody spotted a deer because the, the countryside was stripped of edible animals. So in this day and age, if, if something horrible happened, people who think they're going to hunt for food, it's not going to last very long. So we've. the other reason I mention it, though, is because of what you said, is that in a couple hundred years, Americans have lost a lot of skills as far as being self-reliant. Yeah, for sure. That's where we were very blessed is yeah. to grow up the way we did. My mother was an exception to the rule of the man of the house and the female of the house. My mom was a very, very strong woman. She grew up in the war in Germany and came over when she was 19 the minute she could get out um, and came over with survival skills that none of us will ever be able to imagine. Um, waking up the next day was truly a blessing. And she uh, had to forage for her food, barter for her food, um, repair her own shoes, repair her own, you know, jackets and clothes. And that translated to us kids a lot because she could dress a rabbit faster than my father could go and find the knife. It was like (laughs) she really was the exception to the rule as far as a female and her abilities. she ran that farm while my father worked outside the home and taught us a lot about um, not wasting anything. 
Um, if you're going to dress a deer, you use it all. Um, feed the dogs with what's not edible for us, whatever it may be. Um, and that's what's been interesting, I think, about what we're doing now is we're finding a lot of people that are very much like that. You can't be wasteful because there may be a time when you don't have it. Yeah. So prepare yeah. and know that uh, you're stockpiled for such an event. Kind of fun, kind of going full circle, isn't it? Mm, it really yeah, is. I wish she was here with us still today because she would be such a, a just a plethora of knowledge in this. And well, she and, probably is looking yes. down and going very proud. But of you. thankfully, Cindy. I learned a little bit from yeah, her before sure. she left us. So. Well, we got to take a short break, folks. Stay with us. We'll be right back. See this? It's a generator for your home. Never needs gas, no moving parts, and it's quiet as a church mouse. Hurricane or power outage headed our way? No worries now. It's a solar generator for your home that works day and night and pays for itself through energy savings and tax credit. Hi, folks. This is Bill Gallagher with SolarFit. We're your Tesla certified Powerwall installer, and the future is here. Give us a call today for all the details. 445-7606. SolarFit your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. I'm here with my friends Chris and Cindy Heaven. Welcome back to the show, guys, gals. Thanks, Bill. You know, you got me thinking, Cindy, about how um, industrious and robust women are in general. And Chris and I are kind of, you know, raising our eyebrows when we say this, but it's absolutely true. My grandmother, well, my grandfather was in the lumber woods, what they call the lumber woods, as a teamster, he actually drove a team of horses that dragged the lumber over to the uh, river and put it down the Hudson River. And at the same time, my grandmother was in, in the camp cooking for all the lumberjacks. But she got up early and made all sorts of pies and cakes and stuff like that. But they both worked equally hard yeah. and had, had, had respect. And and it Absolutely. comes right down the line. And Absolutely. So, yeah, salute you for what you're doing. Yeah. And Chris, I know, I know you're a... You're you're a man's man. You held the title one time of, of a weightlifting title. You might as well tell us about it. Uh, former life before I wrecked my body. Uh, <laughs> I won uh, multiple uh, world, national, and state bench press championships and set a bunch of records and, like I said, destroyed my body in the process. Oh, my gosh. What, what did you bench press? I competed everywhere from 181 pounds to 198 to 220 to 242 to 275. Um, so... Uh, Benched as high in competition as six thirty eight. Six hundred thirty eight pounds. Yeah. Holy schmolo. <laughs> <laughs> Not recommended. That is like <laughs> that's more than my car weighs. Oh my god, that's amazing. So what? what uh, you know, please go to our Facebook page and watch the post, and you'll see the picture of this lovely couple in there, and, uh, and you can see why they're so healthy. Uh, talk a little bit about you know, obviously the business we're in. There's a lot of talk about grid down situations right so we've got the solar power systems and uh tesla batteries to back up the system and so you can stay in your house and feel safe but talk a little bit about about urban uh survival in case we had a a, a weird anomaly well i mean at the end of the day 83 percent of americans uh, live in a city live in an urban setting so in the survival prepper world you'll hear a, a term quite frequently uh, bug out whether it be bugging out to a different location or having a bug out bag or whatever the case may be. And the fact of the matter is, is nobody's bugging out anywhere. You know, if we have an event like a nuclear strike or, you know, an EMP blast, which would also accompany a nuclear strike, um, 
you know, those people in the cities don't have anywhere to bug out to. The people who live in the country, they're staying put where they are. And even if somebody did have a, you know, a cabin or something that they wanted to bug out to, the roads will be jammed. There'll be armed people who will take whatever they can from other people. We recently ran a poll that said something along the lines of, you know, what are the most important items that you've been saving and prepping for? And there were multiple responses from people saying, I haven't prepped, I haven't stored a dang thing. I'm just going to take it at gunpoint from whoever has it if and when that day comes. Wow. Pretty sad statement on society. Yeah. So it's, there's, at a very broad level, there's three types of survival. There is primitive survival, you know, where you could drop somebody in the middle of nowhere with nothing but the clothes on their back and that they could not only survive but actually thrive. Um, I know some super high caliber subject matter experts in that field who say that there's probably less than 3,000 people left in America who could, uh, you know, accomplish that. The next level you could call remote survival, utilizing modern tools. Um, And there's more interest in that than there is in primitive. Um, And then the biggest one by far is urban survival. So like when we pull our audience on, you know, what would you like more information on? You get 12, 14% primitive survival, uh, 30-ish percent for remote survival with modern tools and mid 50% for urban survival. And so if, if I'm right, that there's really no bugging out. And if something were to happen, say like 9-11 again, uh, we would be attacked either during morning or afternoon rush hour to inflict the maximum amount of chaos on us. So then the question is, is how do you get home? So we, we frequently discuss the concept of having a get home bag in your vehicle. Uh, let's say you work 15, 20 miles from home. Are you physically fit enough that you could walk that that far? Do you have water? Do you have food? Do you have shelter? Do you have something to protect yourself with? And is it light enough that you can carry it? I mean, you should no bag for whatever purpose, whether it's hiking or getting home, whatever the case may be, should ever be over twenty percent of your body weight. You know, so for an average size guy who's two hundred pounds, you know, maximum forty pound bag. Forty pounds doesn't go very far when you consider a gallon of water is eight pounds. Yeah. And that bag is important, even if you're not um, trying to get home from work during chaos, if there should be an event. There's also weather events. Look at the people that suffered when uh, they got snowed in in their cars and they didn't have anything to eat. They didn't have any blankets. Their car ran out of gas. They couldn't get a signal. If you had one of those bags with you there, you'd be able to get home safely to your family and not be in that situation. So there's more than just, you know, um, worldwide events that could happen. You know, it could be a weather-driven event. Well, down here in Florida, we see that more frequently than we want to admit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we see that little spot off the coast of Africa, and all it starts growing, and all of a sudden, the weathermen start getting excited, and, they, you know, they're putting on their new suit and stuff to talk about, and mm-hmm. <laughs> they're closer to kids. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it hits close to the Florida Florida, and we're going, okay, left, right, straight, left, right, straight, where's it going to go? Yeah. And it, talk about unpredictable. They've got all these maps showing all these curves. Well, this is a European model. What's a European doing over here? <laughs> We're over here in Florida, right? It's the only job in the world where you can be wrong 100% of the time and still collect a paycheck. <laughs> well, I like to think it's 50% chance of rain today. Yeah. Well, yeah, 50% chance it won't. You know, I don't know. I know they know what they're talking about, but it is, yeah, it is a situation where it causes your blood pressure to elevate when you realize that this thing actually is coming this way. Then you have, mm-hmm. like you, you're talking about, you, you actually, you, you created a new word 
instead of bug out is bug home. I got a bug home bag, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 12 miles, but you're right. Be prepared regardless of what the situation is. Yeah. Uh, there's a bag at my feet right now, Bill, um, that I brought you know, some of my stuff with me today. But I take that bag everywhere that we go. Uh, anytime we get in the truck and go somewhere. So I've got first aid stuff, including tourniquets. I've got a good friend of mine who's a former paramedic. And he says, you better carry a tourniquet because all bleeding stops eventually. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. but, but we in that, you know, we have everything from power packs to charge our phones. We have water. We have water filtration. We have means to defend ourselves. We have extra clothes. I mean, being from upstate New York, you would know as well as anybody, nothing will stop you faster in your tracks than wet feet. Wet feet. Like having something to put on your feet that's dry. Just ask anybody who's served overseas in any type of, you know, human environment like Vietnam. It's a showstopper. You're not walking home, you know, 15 miles if we had an EMP blast and you can't get gas and your vehicle doesn't run, you're not walking home 15 miles in wet socks and shoes. Yeah, for sure. You certainly don't drive around in the middle of wintertime in your uh, in your bathing suit up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, need, you need to have whatever clothes is necessary because, you know, I mean, a snow bake appears and then you're in it. I don't know how that happens. but Know your demographics. <laughs> and everybody usually knows what's going on in their area uh, climate-wise. So just be prepared for wherever it is you live. Yeah. There were 70 people died in that snowstorm in Buffalo on the thruway yeah. early in the season. I want to say it was six feet of snow over a couple of days. There was one poor girl, uh, maybe early 20s. Uh, she died in her car uh, because the snow piled up and blocked the exhaust. You know, So the carbon monoxide yeah. came inside and killed her. But if you have a bag in your car, especially, like Cindy said, be aware of your climate and whatnot, you know, you should have a way to to start a fire, you know, ways to stay warm. I mean, the the blankets, the astronaut blankets, I call them, because that's that's what they were called for kids, but survival, you know, the shiny ones, um, that's still better than nothing. Yeah. It doesn't weigh nothing. So do you guys have uh, special kits available for the Florida market, and then you've got something for... Uh, Montana, or they have to pick and choose. Yeah, so we have a, a team of subject matter experts on everything survival and prepping that you could think of, and it is very geographically dependent. So we provide a ton of free support. You know, people can reach out, ask questions, whether it's email, it could be in a comment section, whatever the case may be, and we'll make recommendations to the best of our ability. Uh, we'll give it to one of our guys. Some of our guys are preeminent experts and. They're a lot smarter than I am. So, well, I think I think this uh, the last couple of years what we've gone through with COVID really taught us a lot about uh, food not being available on the shelf and having to, you know, have it just stockpile some supplies. You know, even from toilet paper. You know, we were talking here that uh, everyone only gets one little square of toilet paper a day unless they sell something they get three. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, it, you know, what I'm saying it's it, it, you have to be prepared. It's all about that, right? You do. I think, uh, you know, there's something good comes out of every bad situation. So at the very least, you gain knowledge from a bad situation. So in this post-COVID world, I think there's a heightened level of awareness of just how fragile the entire system is. Whether it's the food supply chain, goods, economics, whatever the case may be, the system is fragile. Yeah, Yeah, even the the thought of, you know, having a generator and we're feeling really comfortable we've got a generator, but... The truth of the matter is, when when something happens, uh, you know we're on a barrier island over here across. The, there's no 
you can't get across the bridge, so you can't get fuel. Mm-hmm. You have to think ahead. And, you know, hopefully uh, those folks listening to this broadcast, so they will go on your website and review some of the stuff that you have available and reach out and let you help them because that's what it's all about. That actually builds the entire reason that everybody on the survival dispatch team hits the ground running every morning. It's, uh, it's our mission to disseminate information so that people not only survive in these uncertain times but actually thrive. Everything else that happens in our world is a kind of byproduct of that, as a result of that. But that's, you know, everybody on our team is committed to that. How many people do you have now working with you? Well, between those of us that are the core team and then the influencers that we have, we're about 11 people. Okay, that's great. And they're scattered all over, I assume. You get information from all over. Yeah, mostly in the southeast. Uh, we do have a gentleman in Utah, which is the survival prepping capital of the world, yeah. bar none. Um, who's former special forces, special ops. The guy's just next level expert when it comes to survival. Yeah, well, it's great to have friends like that that can coach you through, you know, even even uh, a little education, just speaking with you is, is important. What's a, is there a phone number or anything, or what's the best way to reach you? Survivaldispatch.com, and everything is there. Uh, email support at survivaldispatch.com. We give a lot of stuff away because we... we Vendors give us a lot of stuff, you know, so we pass that on. And, uh, you know, we feel that uh, the more we help others, it only comes back to us many times over. So uh, it's, it's really part of the mission for us is to try and empower people so that they can be self-sufficient, so they can look after themselves, so they can look after their families, um, because a lot of people, unfortunately, are not in that position these days. Uh, well, thank you and Cindy for what you're doing. Appreciate it. And thanks so much for, for coming on today. We're about out of time. Great, great interview, folks. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having us. <laughs> well, let's do it again in a few months. Come on back and tell us what's going on out there, okay? For sure. All right. Thanks, Bill. Okay, folks, we're going to sign off for now. Have a great weekend, and uh, please visit us uh, on TV in Las Vegas next week. We'll talk to you then. SolarFit Renewable Energy Radio Show paid for by SolarFit.